Welcome to the One Meal, One Workout Podcast, your new approach to food and fitness. Brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Butler, Don Sullivan, and Mark Cockrell. Welcome back. Those of you that have listened before to One Meal, One Workout, if it's your first time, let me just say howdy from the great state of Texas that I'm not in anymore. But people say howdy in Texas. I don't know if they say it here in Georgia too often or not. I don't, I don't hear a lot of people saying howdy. Uh, but Mark's from Texas. Mark, did you hear people saying howdy in Texas and not hear it as well? Have you noticed the absence it, of howdy in your life? It was not a common thing. I say howdy. That's my standard greeting. And people often ask me, is that a Texas thing? And I say, I don't know if it's a Texas thing. It's a Mark thing. Yeah, I've always grown up saying howdy. How about you, Don? You're a native Georgian. Uh, is howdy in your vocabulary? Howdy, I, I'm familiar with howdy. I'm aware of howdy. Do I use howdy ever? No. All right. And those voices you heard, those dulcet tones, those mellifluous uh, sibilances coming through the microphones to your ears were Mark Cockrell and Don Sullivan, my co-hosts, as always. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure to have you here tonight with me in this podcast, and that's Mark Sealing. <laughs> for watching the live stream. How are you guys doing tonight? You doing good? You know, I'm okay. I can't say I'm great. I'm okay. How about you? Doing pretty well. I'm all right. I'm here. I'm hanging in there. I've reached an age where I've become a human barometer, and there have been a number of weather fronts moved through North Georgia, and my joints are all mad at me about it. You're out of joint, huh? Yes. All right. Well, I'm going to start the show off with some fitness, not fitness news. My wife likes the... The cooking shows. She's the she likes the cooking. My wife loves to cook. Cheryl's menu.blogspot.com if you're interested. She doesn't post their office. C H E R Y L. Yes, thank you. C H E R Y L. Um and uh so we watch a lot of those cooking type shows. And so there's a new one, Mark. I'm sure you probably are familiar with it. It's it's uh, United is it called the United States of Bacon? I think is what it's called. I don't get that show. I wish I did, but I don't oh. get it. Well, tonight, I actually watched an episode of that first one I've ever seen, just for you, Mark, because if you don't listen to this show or any other show on the Element LP Network, you may not realize, if it's your first time, that Mark is a bacon aficionado. He likes bacon. Uh, and Mark, today, the guy from the show was visiting, wait for it, Atlanta, Georgia. Nice. He highlighted three spots. The third one, he ate a thing. And I, I put the I put the link in the notes and said, "Do not click this link." I don't know if they did or not. They, I, think, uh, I'm I obeyed. They I totally did. And it's called the Death Muffin. <laughs> and this, let me read you the description. There's a video there if you want to look at the, at the video sometime, guys. It is. Here we go. I'm gonna read you the description. Bacon, basket woven bacon. So they they, they basket weave bacon, laid on a cookie sheet. They take four pounds, not two pounds, like it says in this link, because I saw, just saw the guy do it. Four pounds of Jimmy Dean sausage, lay it on it, put fresh sage on that, sprinkle some chopped, pre-cooked bacon bits, uh, chopped real bacon in the middle, roll it into a log, and then they put, um, cover that with maple syrup and cayenne pepper, and then put it on the grill. Once it's cooked, they take it off the grill, Slice it like a like a like you slice log type food, you know, into wedges. Throw that on a skillet, flat skillet grill. 
grill both sides of that and then take a toasted English muffin and melt cheddar cheese and a poached egg on one side and put blackberry jam on the other, slaps it all together, and they say, when they say it's done, it's when you smush it, it explodes. <laughs> That's how they, they, they quote it. And the guy, the, the host of the show said, I could eat this for breakfast every day. <laughs> That's what he said. Comes in around 1,500 calories per muffin. Uh, now, the guy, as awesome. I recall seeing, is like a 450-pounder. He, he's a big guy. He's a big guy. Yeah. He's probably 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", something like that. He's, and he's, he's, up in the, he's up in the threes or fours, probably. Uh, but it looked good. I mean, it really did. It's, it's basically bacon-wrapped sausage with a maple syrup glaze with a little cayenne pepper for spice on an um, egg muffin. <laughs> I have to say, I find nothing wrong with anything you just said. Well, you know, and I believe in trying new foods, and I'm not even—I don't have a problem with somebody eating one of those once in a while. Now, what right. the guy said about eating one every day—that's probably not a good idea, <laughs> unless that's the only thing you're going to eat. Maybe, or if you're surviving in the Arctic wilderness or something along those lines. Yeah, that, that is a day's worth of calories. It is. So, Don, Mark, you have anything you want to share with our our our? our uh, our listeners out there before um, I, I proceed ahead with my plea for money. Well, I, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, um, a, a little personal update. Uh, I have made a um, concerted effort to, to catch up with the wagon and try to hop back on since the new year. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I don't, I don't know that it's uh you know, I'm not seeing pounds roll off or, or inches disappear, but I just, you know, I just wanted to get out there and sort of put myself on record as, as saying that I have uh, been very conscious. I've been ba- back to tracking my soup food. For, for me, it's all about tracking because it's too easy to cheat if you're not counting it. Right. So I've been back to tracking my food. I'm not eating out at, at work anymore. I brought my uh, meals, you know, my they're all pre-portioned, 200 to 300 calories each, and, and that's what I eat. And so... You know, I'm I'm staying the course or try, attempting to anyway. I, there's no moral to that story. Just wanted to mention it. Thank you, Don. How about you? Any exciting news or anything you want to share? Uh, no, nothing really worth sharing. Just uh, okay. Doing In that case, let's move right ahead to me asking for money. It's not for me. It's not for Don. It's not for Mark. It's for the American Cancer Society. So I'm asking. Uh, if you'd like to donate, to go to cancer.org. Don't try to find me. Don't try to find one million workout. There is nothing there. Don't Just try go to, to cancer.org and make a donation. Any way you want to. Any Sorry, that just sounded dramatic all of a sudden. I don't know why. Anyway, go ahead. Money. <laughs> to any any part of the organization in honor of anyone you want, then just shoot me an email and say, hey, Aaron, I made a donation of 50 bucks, and you will get your very own mile on the back of my t-shirt. I have a t-shirt that has been designed by a listener. Thank you, listener. <clears throat> and uh, we'll announce her name in, in the t-shirt design here coming soon. Um, and it is a cool t-shirt, and it'll have your name on the back of it and the mile that you sponsored. I'm a little over halfway there with a couple of three weeks left until i got to get this stuff turned into the t-shirt guy. But you will get a t-shirt that doesn't come out of the money you donate because your money goes directly to the American Cancer Society. The t-shirt is my gift from my wife, myself, my son, one mill one workout family to you uh, for helping support me for literally and in all other ways having my back as I run this marathon that's coming up on St. Patrick's Day. So enough about that. What is it? Five weeks away now? 
it's about five weeks away. I've got, yes, it is five weekends from now. I've got an 18-mile run this weekend, a 20-mile run the next weekend, a nine-mile run, an eight-mile run, and then the, the marathon. So there it is. So how did your how did your fourteen mile run go this weekend? You last time we were together, you said that this this was the one. This you didn't know if you were going to make it. Yep, and we're going to talk about that. It's the second point of the discussion points. Okay. So, but but I appreciate you asking. Um, so, uh, quick thank you to Seth Anderson, uh, listener of the show at times and a member of the Element Open Network family. He's on Everyday Linux, and a uh, listener spotlight we had the other day. He shared an article. Uh, about the world's fattest man losing losing 630 pounds. Incredible story. 630 pounds is just an incredible amount of weight to lose, obviously. Um, he weighed almost 1,000 pounds when he started, so he's still a very large man. Still having some issues with his joints and what have you. You can only imagine that um, from that from that amount of weight for that long. Yeah, he still, still needs 200 pounds to go. That's the amazing thing. Yeah. So he, uh, But he has made incredible progress. So we'll put that link in the show notes um, for you. I don't want to get into that article. And then another article that I just, as I was doing some digging for the show tonight, I ran into that I thought was very interesting, and, and we're not going to dig into it either. It's from Lifehacker. Ten stubborn exercise myths that won't die debunked by science. Uh, hooray, and, science. Yeah, hooray, science. Science for the win. And... Um, Let me just read them to you. Myth one, no pain, no gain. Soreness after exercise is caused by lactic acid building up in your muscles. Exercise takes long hours or it's worthless if you can't exercise regularly. You need a sports drink when you replenish your body's electrolytes. Stretching before exercise will prevent injury. I actually had this discussion with my boss last week. Working will only help build muscle, not help me lose weight. Exercise will help me lose weight quickly. You need to take supplements to build muscle. If you don't exercise when you're young, it's dangerous when you get old. And the last one, working out at home slash working out at the gym is better than working out at home slash working out at the gym, whichever side of that argument you fall on. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of funny. So um, one of the, the reason I ran across this article <clears throat> is because of myth number one, no pain, no gain. So our topic of discussion tonight, if you, haven't, if you don't know from the title of the show, is we're going to talk about when you should not exercise, when, when are some of the times to not continue on. Um, and this is not a list that I pulled off a website somewhere. I did a little digging around just to see if there was something out there that maybe I could, uh, beef up my, my findings, but this is more my personal experience, anecdotal and things like that. And so what Mark had alluded to earlier, um, in case you didn't catch the last show, I'll give you a quick, a quick, uh, update. First of all, if you've never listened before, I am in the process of training for a marathon coming up on St. Patrick's Day, five weeks away. We just talked about that. Three weekends ago, I ran 16 miles. A couple of weekends before that, I had run 11 miles, about three weeks before that. And my left knee, uh, I don't know if you remember guys me saying, my left knee kind of went work out, work out, on me. Kind of popped backwards a few times, hurt quite a bit. So I got a Chopat knee strap, which I don't know if they work because of science or placebo effect, but it helps. So it's just a elastic it's strap. It's the cool name. That's why they They're, work. Why? The cool name? The yeah. cool name. Uh, you show Pat, you need a knee strap. Uh, it goes around your knee and it holds your patellar tendon, supports your patellar tendon. So after I got that, um, I haven't really had any problems with it, but my knee was still a little tender, a little puffy. You know, if I tried to flex my knee all the way, it was a little tight. And so I thought after I ran 16 miles two Saturdays ago, I thought, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna take the week off 
from my, my weekday runs, my short runs, I'm going to let my knee rest. That way I can come back into my next 16 mile run, which I was supposed to do two Saturdays ago, and just kill it. You know, I'll be, I was going to kill it. Kill it. And uh, so there's a problem though. Mark, Don, y'all remember what my problem is? It's an idiosyncrasy about myself. If you're not running, you're not stretching. Exactly. You're allergic run. to chicken. Yes, they're both correct. Two winners. If if I don't run, I don't stretch. White ninja. Um, and so I didn't run an entire week. So what does that mean? I ran 16 miles on Saturday, and then I didn't stretch at all before I ran 16 miles the following Saturday. Um, a previous injury that I had is IT band syndrome, which is basically tennis elbow in your knee. If you're not familiar with IT band syndrome. So it's a tendon that runs up the side of your leg from actually from your from the top of your lower leg up the side of your knee up the side of your thigh around your hip and kind of attaches on your rear end. Um, and I had gone to physical therapy and gotten that much better. Had no problems with it for a year <clears throat> as I continued to run and stretch. But after I ran 16 miles and then did not stretch for a week, about eight miles into it, it flared up like crazy, and I struggled on for about another mile. Called my wife; she came and picked me up. And uh, so I only did nine miles. So this week, uh, to answer Mark's previous question, I was supposed to do 17 miles. I didn't do 17. <clears throat> Not because I probably couldn't have done 17. I probably could have squeezed it out. But what I ended up doing was I ran to Dan's house, which is nine miles. Felt pretty good. Refilled my water. Left my hat and my gloves there in, the, in his flower bed because they weren't there. And I was dripping sweat because it had gotten warm by then. And then I ran an additional uh, five and a half miles. Yeah, five and a half miles to the comic book shop. That seemed like a good place to stop. And uh, at that point, my IT band was getting a little tired, and I didn't want to overdo it. And that's kind of what made this whole topic come up. So the topic is, when is too much exercise? When is too much? In, when is enough too How did I say the title? Let me see. When is enough too much? When do you need to back off? When is it smart? When is it not just a mind game and you're just getting wimpy? And when is your body? What are the signals of your body? You probably have all heard the, the analogy between Advil and your dash lights. Y'all ever heard that? Yeah, because it just masks the symptoms, and so you never really deal with the problem. Right. So, you know, your check engine light comes on. How do you fix it? You pull the fuse out that sends, <laughs> that sends the power to your check engine electrical light. Electrical tape. That's what right. I do. Yeah, you put a piece of electrical tape over your check engine light. Uh, Advil and, and other pain uh, analgesics is similar to that. can be. In other words, <clears throat> it doesn't really necessarily help the problem. There are some anti-inflammatory things there, but... Taking a fistful of Advil and going and running anyway isn't always the best solution because there's some underlying issue there. So let me back up a little bit more. When I was having those IT band problems before, I had signed up for the Tough Mudder. Uh, and I went and did the Tough Mudder. But the problem was is I was hurt, but I'd already committed to do it, so I went and did it. And through that, I learned, A, there are some things you cannot run through <laughs> no matter how much you want to run through them. I literally could not run like the last seven or eight miles of that of the Tough Mudder. I had to walk it. And two, you can do a lot more than you think you can in spite of pain sometimes. So it's, but it's the balance, and that's what I want to talk about tonight, finding that balance. If you're not watching the video, I'm doing my hands up and down. Hold your hands out in front of you at shoulder level, and I move one up and move the other one down. Now alternate. Okay, you're doing what I was just doing, so you've got your own visual. Um, so a couple of things we're going to talk about. You're a master communicator, Aaron. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. The, uh, so this, this last Saturday, like I said, I went and I ran the 14 and a half miles and I felt pretty good about it. And I purposely chose, I didn't do the 17 because I didn't want to hurt myself. I wanted to be available to do, 
um, the 18 that I'm going to try to do this Saturday. So uh, that's the plan, at least. So when to quit? <clears throat> and Don, Mark, feel free to just jump in there whenever you want from your own experiences. Um, or if you want to Google something really fast, either one. Uh, we'll take any source of, uh, of, of uh, information here. For me, leg, just my legs feeling tired or my arms feeling tired, things like that. I'm, I'm past that. And I encourage you, if you're out running and your legs start feeling really tired, keep running. That just means your legs are tired. But if you have that sudden pull or like a grab or a pinch or a hitch um, in a muscle or a joint, that's when you need to back off and reevaluate. So, um, because that's often signs of something that's about to go or just went. And so, if you're out running, you feel a, a pull. Same way with lifting. Mark, Mark I know you lift, used to lift weights a lot in high school. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're doing that fifth rep, you're trying to get that fifth rep on your heavy weight on the bench, and you feel something starting to kind of pull in a not good way in your right pec, you don't just go, oh, I'm just going to tough it out. Yeah. You rack the weight. Yeah. You say, spot me. You do whatever you do, and you get the weight off of that because that's, that's at the point when you're about to hurt yourself. So if you're out there running, I'm a big, big advocate of it, but if you're out there doing it and you feel that pull in your quad or whatever, stop, slow down, back off to a walk. If it continues to hurt, stop, stretch a little bit. Uh, if you have to call somebody to come get you, call somebody to come get you. I've had to do that once or twice. So uh, that's just that's my number one rule. When you feel a sudden something, when you have a suddenly, my leg's not the leg that it used to be. Sorry, I didn't plan ahead on that. Mark, you can take that out later. Can you think? <laughs> All right. So, um, of course, it doesn't take a genius to know if you start having chest pain <laughs> or difficulty breathing, you should probably stop whatever you're doing. Um, just saying. Now, I want to go ahead and put a caveat in here, Mark, Don, uh, all our listeners. I am not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. Uh, I do not have a PhD, an MD, an OD, a DO, or any kind of letters after my name other than a BS. There you have it. Uh, <laughs> literally, I do. So, I'm not a doctor. This is just my personal experience. Don't take this as, uh, as medical advice in any way. My lawyers won't allow you to do that. They say, no, you can't. And I don't really have lawyers. But if I had them, that's what they'd say. All right. So, chest pain or difficulty breathing, um, please don't continue to exercise at that point. And if you have chest pain or difficulty breathing, I would recommend once you've recovered from that moment of exercise, Go see a doctor. So uh, let me let me uh, throw something in there. What about the classic side stitch, which is both pain and difficulty breathing? I've heard run through it, suck it up. I've heard stop until it goes away. Where do you come down on that? Well, this is that's interesting, Mark, because when I was a fat kid, when we would run laps in PE or whatever, I always got a side stitch. Always. I have not had a single side stitch since I started running. Isn't that strange? And I, I was, you know, I was in pretty good shape as like, I wasn't in terrible shape as a 10, 11 year old fat kid. I was okay. I don't know why. So medically speaking, I don't know. Uh, personally, what I used to do when I was a kid was I would just slow down a little bit and try to breathe steady. I don't think I've never heard. And again, this is just Aaron's anecdotal evidence. I've never heard that it's dangerous. The classic side stitch. Um, right. I could Google that while we're waiting. That's a good well, question. It's, it's one of those things where you can, you can. Uh, go to a thousand different websites and 500 of them will come down on either side you know stop until it goes away or slow down or just push through it and it'll it'll go away um it's just something i thought i'd ask about 
That's a great question. They don't call you the best color man. <laughs> Sorry. I just have to send that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, but what, 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 one thing I do want to say is everybody says don't worry about it. The, the side stitch in your side that hurts and it makes it difficult to breathe, that's not a heart attack. That's, not, that, that's just a cramp, basically. So, you know, when Aaron's talking about chest pain or difficulty breathing, that one doesn't count. So, Wikipedia, because that's the source of all knowledge, says stretching could help, slow down could help, massage could help. We don't really know what it does. <laughs> or what it, they're, they're not even really sure what it is. Um, they think it might be from the liver. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I've, uh, that, that's one of the theories that if you happen to be breathing in while your foot is going down, you're stretching one thing and pulling another one, and it can cause a, a, a tear or a, a slight stretch. A plausible mechanism for the pain is that high internal pressure in the liver or spleen restricts blood flow, causing hypoxia. So exactly. uh, that's what I thought it was this whole time. So simple. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I haven't experienced it lately, so I, I don't have a. I don't have a recent. Um, I, I get uh, those when I'm out riding my bike sometimes because I'm fat, um, and it's almost always when I'm breathing shallow, you know, because <laughs> so just slow down and breathe through it. And anyway, just yeah, thought I'd bring good. that up. All right, so here's this is kind of an associated thing. I've I've been asked the question and I've I've talked to people who run a lot and done a little research and this is kind of what everybody says so this is this is again not me. What about running when you're sick, especially when you're like have a cold, and pretty much there's no excuse not to exercise if you have a head cold. But they say when the symptoms get below your neck, that's what they say. So if you've got chest congestion, which goes back to the difficulty breathing part, um, then don't do it. Don't go out and exercise and get your heart rate up and all that. You can walk and those kind of things. But if it's just in your nose, most people when you run, you breathe through your mouth. Anyway, that's not a big deal. You might have snot coming out everywhere. I have that anyway when it's cold. I had frozen booger sickles the other day when it was like 23 and we were running. It's fine. It's no big deal. They melt later. Um, <clears throat> but if you have a fever, stay in bed. Don't go run. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, there's, there's some people who say, you know, exercise it out. Sweat it out. Um, those people are idiots. Not really. Uh, <laughs> personally, I don't, you don't, you don't want to increase your turn, internal temperature more if you already have a fever. Uh, maybe going for a relaxing walk might be appropriate if you're just tired of sitting, but going out and trying to run a 5k when you've got 103 fever is probably not a good idea. Again, not a doctor, but that's just kind of my take on it. Uh, I will say that, um, <clears throat> if you, uh, have an upset stomach and those kind of things, Unless you're going to run laps around a series of porta potties, you probably don't want to go either. Because <laughs> just you know, laws of nature: the further you get from the bathroom, you're increasing your chances every time that you'll need one. <laughs> just the way it works. It's like the, the darkness of my shirt is inversely proportional to the likelihood that I'll spill something on it. Uh, if I'm wearing a white shirt, I'm almost always going to drop something. If I'm wearing a black shirt, never drop a thing. And the one thing you do will be ranch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, uh, I'm going to read a series of symptoms. This is going way back to one of our very first episodes. So, Mark and Don, I, I think Don was on this episode. It's, it's that early. It could be our very first episode. I'm not sure. Uh, no, it was. Don was on it. I remember. So, if you start having a combination of the following symptoms, confusion, dark urine, dizziness and fainting, 
headache, muscles cramps, you stop sweating, or you have pale skin and a cold sweat, you may be experiencing heat stroke. Death. <laughs> Followed by yeah, heat stroke. Uh, especially if you're living in the South and you're out exercising in the 102 degree temperature weather, if you start having any of these symptoms, you need to get in the shade and you need to get some fluids and you need to let somebody know that you're having them. Uh, the, these are not things to be played with. Um, you know, it's one thing to get a little bit of a headache. Maybe you're outside exercising hard and get a little headache. That's, that's okay. <clears throat> if you start having strange muscle cramps, mu- you know, just like cramping muscles, you, you stop sweating or you start feeling like you're breaking out in a cold sweat. Uh, you, you stop and run, you run into the restroom and your urine's the color of, um, I don't know, Dijon mustard <laughs> as, as a reference point. Uh, or you starting feeling, you start feeling confused in any way, which is kind of, maybe it's kind of hard at this point to make that decision if you're confused, but that is signs of heat exhaustion, heat stroke. I've actually had heat exhaustion before. It is not a good feeling. It's like hot flu is how it feels. You just start feeling bad all over. It's like, and really what's happening is your body is failing. Your your uh, your your autonomic nervous system that's attempting to cool your body cannot keep up, and you're you're spiraling out of control. You're, the heat that you're experiencing, your body cannot cool yourself off, and your your systems are starting to shut down, and it feels horrible. So that is not something to exercise through. I just want to say that one more time. Heat exhaustion, everyone, is not something to try to push on through. That's something to take care of quickly. In fact. Depending on the level of heat exhaustion, not even heat stroke, just heat exhaustion that you have, it may take you a few days to recover from it or longer. Um, so just saying, uh, that's not good. Heat stroke's bad. Heat stroke bad, Gatorade good. All right. <laughs> so here are some things on the flip side. And I didn't even write these down in the notes. Here's some things that you can push on through. <clears throat> and I mentioned it a little bit earlier. I said, if your legs start feeling like lead, that's okay. That's the lactic acid buildup. It's okay to keep on running. If the next day you have uh, sore muscles, specifically the ones you exercised, not sore joints necessarily, but sore muscles, that's fine. That's normal. Now, that actually is, people used to always say, and that's one of the myths on that article we talked about earlier, that that's lactic acid buildup. That's not actually true. Lactic acid gets cleared shortly from your muscles after you quit exercising. That's actually from micro tears from you straining your muscles. And that's why you get stronger because it repairs those micro tears stronger than they were before. You're like six million dollar man working in your bicep. That's what's happening. Um, so it's called like late onset muscle something. There's an acronym they use for it now. It's all fancy, but basically that's what it is. So muscle soreness is fine. Now we've mentioned before you don't if you're especially if you're first getting started you don't want to go so crazy on your first couple of workouts that you're so sore that you don't want to work out again because it can be painful. Especially the quads. The bigger the muscle, the worse the pain. If you've ever done squats or done any like stair climbing or gone and climbed a big mountain the first time when you weigh 350 pounds like I have, your legs will hurt the next day. They won't be, quote unquote, sore. They will hurt. <laughs> uh, you know, I always joked, I, I looked like a John Wayne after a long trail ride when I, get, I would walk. I mean, it was just like, ow, 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 ow. But, you know, you can work through that. It's okay. <clears throat> if, you, uh, um, if you get out of breath, your heart rate gets up and you're out of breath, that's okay. It's okay to get your heart rate up and be out of breath. You don't have to back off to that point. Now, but it's so uncomfortable. Kind of, it is. It's not necessarily fun. Uh, but if you have underlying medical conditions, again, I'm not a doctor. You, you want to make sure your doctor has cleared you before you do that kind of thing. But it's okay to do that. 
it's okay to get gassed. Um, I have never personally done it. I know lots of people that have run till they've thrown up. I don't recommend that as a general training plan. <laughs> How do you know when to stop? When I throw up. That's not a, that's not a good way to do it. Uh, but that's not necessarily mean that you've hurt yourself or anything like that. You've probably just overdone it a bit. But most likely it's because you ran on a full stomach, not because of what you did exercise-wise. Um, so the big thing is, and I almost went this route on the whole show, but I decided to go more about, you know, aches and pains because that's kind of what I've been dealing with. The battle really is up here in your head. Uh, if you listen to the show, you heard the intro and it, the, the line is, if I can remember it, is um, persistence, resistance, one man can make a difference. The battle's inside of me. The fight's begun, begun but not yet won and I won't become one more casually. The battle is in you, in your head, of whether you're going to exercise or not exercise. I mean, It's always easier mentally to just stop. I had a friend today at work who said, Aaron, how far do you, have you how far, what's the farthest you've run now? And I said, 16 miles. And she said, did you run the entire 16 miles? I said, no, no way. Are you crazy? I laughed at her and walked off. Not really. And I said, no, I, I'm not. In fact, I'm not even planning on running the entire marathon. I have, I'm planning on running and walking. I'll, you know, I'm going to run the first couple, three miles. Then I'm going to walk a minute um, on the next mile. Then I'm going to try to run the next two and come up with a plan, that kind of thing. She said, well, um, I get on the treadmill and I run about a half a mile and I just have to stop, you know, and I just, and I, and I said, well, when you get to that point and you feel like you have to stop, ask yourself, can you run 10 more steps? The answer is almost always yes. Run the 10 and ask yourself, can I run 10 more steps? The answer is almost always yes. And just keep doing that until you get to the next marker that you're running, whether it's a mile or a mile and a half. And that's exactly how I've increased my distances. I um, I remember the first time I ran a mile, I literally did that very thing. I kind of got back around. I was like three quarters of the mile, and I could see my finish line up there. I was like, I can do it. I'm just going to run 10 more steps. And I did that, that game, 10 more steps, 10 more steps, 10 more steps, all the way that last quarter mile. It is 100% in your head. So um, I mentioned before about the Tough Mudder, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just I'm monologuing tonight, guys. Feel free to interrupt me. Uh, but uh, on the Tough Mudder thing, before the Tough Mudder, before I was injured, I actually weighed less than I did like last February. Well, you know, significantly, 20, 30 pounds less. I had never run three miles straight through, ever. Don had done it. Don nailed his first 5K straight through. I was there with him. I ran and walked it. He ran it. I'd never run three miles straight through. I came back, rehabbed, started running again. And one night, I was out there running, and I realized, you know, I'm two miles into this. I'm going to just try to go a little further. And I ran three miles. I had not been running as much. I was heavier. So why suddenly was I able to run three miles in February after rehabbing my IT band and not running very much for the two months previous and weighing 20 pounds more than I did the summer before? Why? I'm asking. Do you know why? Because you wanted to. It was in my head. I, yeah, it was, I wanted to finish it. I wanted, I wanted to make that marker, and I had become more mentally tough from finishing the Tough Mudder. The process of gritting my teeth and finishing that last seven, eight miles, um, in spite of the fact of being hurt, which I'm not recommending, by the way, but the mental process of doing that allowed me to kind of go to a different place mentally and just keep moving forward, keep moving forward. And so... Uh, that is not mental 
fatigue is not a reason to stop. That's what I'm trying to say. I could have just said that. All right, Mark, delete this whole show. I'm gonna, we're just going to say mental fatigue is not a reason to stop. Thanks for listening, and we're done. I just want to say something that that happened at work today. You know, as as we've alluded to many times, Aaron and I work together, and uh, I don't know how this affected Aaron, but there was this really cool moment today that I took notice of. Uh, Aaron has this picture of this really fat guy on his wall in his office, um, and uh, a, a new employee uh, walked in and looked at the fat guy on the wall and looked at Aaron and looked at the fat guy on the wall and said, "Is that you?" And, and Aaron said, well, yeah, it used to be. And, and I, you know, I don't know how he re- reacted to it, but I just happened to be in the, the, the room at the time. And I thought, that, that's the coolest moment. Uh, and cool. in fact, I even quipped. I, I pointed at myself and said, this is my before picture. You know, <laughs> still working on the after. Uh, yeah. But he had that, that cool moment. And, and I, I, you know, I, he's, he's got that picture there. It was an article that the Atlanta Journal-Constitution did. Um, and, and, you know, obviously it's there for for show off purposes or whatever. And then I also kind of had that, that moment. That's, you know, that's the fat guy he used to be. And he, he keeps that there. So he'll never go back to that. And that's the, the mental toughening, you know, uh, it's easy. It's easy to be fat and lazy. That's the easiest thing in the world. Um, (laughs) and, and you have to remember that you weren't right. Yeah. That's, I have it up for two reasons and you're exactly right. Mark. One is actually three reasons. One is a woohoo! I had a newspaper article written about me. Pat myself on the back. That's one. Two, it's the before picture that reminds me every day of where I was before. And three is to encourage other people that maybe see that and don't realize, um, or maybe in a situation where they want to make some changes. Yeah, it was funny because it's actually on the side of my bookshelf, and I saw him looking at it, and, I, and it was funny because he was reading and he had this furrowed brow, like, "What is this talking, Aaron?" and Reading, he's reading the article and then i think about three quarters of the way through the article then he realized like you said that that picture the before picture was actually me <laughs> was me because then he then he looked at me really funny and said ah, like you're talking about it was it was it was funny yeah uh it definitely is it all it is a mind game it is a battle in your mind um you know if, if it wasn't a mind game if it wasn't a, a mental battle then it would just be a simple thing of saying oh you know what i'm gonna eat better now I'm done. I'm just going to eat better. And that'd be the end of it. And it would be that simple, but it's not. So, um, I, I really don't know what else to say tonight, except for mental fatigue. It's no excuse to exercise. If you, if you feel like you're having a heart attack or dying, it's okay to stop. Uh, <laughs> um, side stitches suck and I don't like them, but I hadn't had one in a long time. I don't usually say suck like that, but I just I don't know why. Cause I, I went back to being 11 is what it was. <laughs> I mentally regressed to my last side stitch. Well, Aaron, so. let me let me ask you. Let me interview you just a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you, as I've watched you, you know, over these months train for this this marathon, there there have been a number of obvious milestones. You know, the, the first time you ever ran, you know, uh, X distance, and the first time you've you've run, you know, uh, whatever. Um, in those moments, and I, you are unique in a number of ways, but you possess a clarity of thought that few people do. For example, you, you had a conversation with the doctor and you came home and said, no more. The line must be drawn here this far and no father. And, and, and that's where your journey began. Not, not many people can do that. So I, I wonder what are the conversations that you have with yourself? 
when when you know you're out on your on a 16 mile run and um and you're you're at mile nine and you're thinking everything about this sucks i don't want to do this <laughs> and and i know that you know i'm going to get a day off and then i start again what what are the mental conversations you have with yourself to keep that singularity of focus uh, i appreciate that question mark and i appreciate your kind comments sincerely a um, couple of things. One is I try not to think about it in the moment a lot of times. I'll distract myself with listening to podcasts from elementop.com uh, or music. That's part of it because it, you, you can't start thinking, I've still got seven miles. I've still got six miles like that. But then I also approach it um, when I first started. I remember when I went to do the 11-mile run. It jumped from 9 to 11 on my training program. I'd never done a double-digit run before. And I was actually a little scared that day. I was like, I'm fixed to run 11 miles. I'm going to leave my cousin's house and run to my house. And that's 11 miles. I don't really know if I can run 11 miles. What's going to happen when I run 11 miles? I mean, I was going through that, that process like you're talking about. And then I just decided, you know what? I've run nine miles. And at the end of the nine miles, it's almost like an extrapolation of the, can I go 10 more steps thing? At the end of the nine miles, could I go a couple more miles? Yeah, I probably could have. Okay, I can do 11 miles then. And so I basically uh, kind of get myself to the place where I, I come to the realization there's only one way to run this 16 miles, and that's to start and not stop until I'm done. And that sounds like an oversimplification. Oh, Why have I changed that word now? Simplification. Simplification, but it, it really is that. And that's, that's very similar to that doctor's office conversation. You know, I have to lose 150 pounds. How do I need to do that? Okay, I need to start losing weight. I need to, I need to make some changes and begin to lose weight now. That's the only way I'm going to get to 150 pounds is to lose a pound. The only way I'm going to be able to run 11 miles is to run a mile. And so I, I really do increment it. Maybe that's why I've, I've gravitated so much on the one meal and workout idea is that I literally, and I'm, I'm not being trite when I say this, is I didn't run 16 miles. I ran one mile 16 times. The first mile was the easiest. The 16th mile was the hardest, but I still just kind of looked at it that same way. So um, let's go back uh, three years, two okay. and a half, somewhere around there, to, yeah. to okay. running that first mile. Contrast running the first mile to running the 16th mile last week. Similar and different, which I, I guess you'd expect that answer. Um, the first mile, it was all about the cardio and just believing I could do it. You know, I was gassing bad and I was, just, I was literally just, got to keep just on my feet. You know, like that was it. I was just to the point where that was all the cardio I had to make it that first mile. <clears throat> and, uh, and I, and I, when I got done in, you know, two minutes after that, I was fine. I, you know, I'd recovered and I was good running that 16 miles at mile 11 is when my feet really started to talk to me and say, ow, my feet hurt. My knee hurts. My shoulders are cramping a little bit. Uh, I've got sunburn. <laughs> I'm sunburned. You know, I mean, I didn't think about the fact that it's going to be sunny this morning. And at that point it becomes, so one's more of a short endurance and, and the 16 miles was more of, of a, uh, recognizing that even though I'm going to be in this little bit of discomfort for the next 45 minutes or an hour, it's still transient, transient. Does that make sense? That all we got to do is get to the finish. I can take my shoes off. I can get something to drink. I can use the bathroom. I can relax. My body will recover. I've said before, I, I'm amazed over and over by how miraculous the human body is to recover from what we do to it. 
And I mean, you know, when I come in on Monday morning, I might be like, I might, you know, might be my feet might be a little tired, but I'm not walking in like I just got, you know, beaten and drugged by a horse. I'm, I've recovered pretty well in in two days. So it's it's amazing, but it's the same mental process. Of, I've just got to keep going, got to keep going, got to keep going, got to keep going. Um, I don't know. Don, you gonna say something? No, he wasn't. I was, and then, and then, yeah, you said it really already. But I'll say it anyway. The, the way that you run sixteen miles is whenever you're at nine miles, is that you run nine miles, and you say, "Can I do ten more steps?" And then you say, "Yes." Right. Yeah. The uh, the 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 mental part of it is such a thing. You know, if you've listened to the podcast before, like I said many times today, I'm gonna quit saying that. Uh, I've mentioned before. Uh, I just said the same thing again. I don't know why I did it. The one of the mental games I play is what I call my direct deposit method. It's not a very good analogy, but I, I use it anyway. And that direct deposit method is where I um, purposely kind of make myself a route that gets me out and back, so that I can. Um, what am I trying to say? I put myself in a situation where I have to run back. I try to do that purposely. I put myself in a situation where I have to continue on to be successful. And there's been a couple of times that I failed. I mean, like just two weeks ago, I called Cheryl to come get me. Um, a few months ago, on a, on a, on a, on a uh, several months ago, when I first started coming off my IT band thing, I miscalculated my distance. <laughs> I was trying to run four and a half miles, ended up uh, trying to run four miles, ended up four miles from the house. Oops. Didn't have it in me to get four miles back. Uh, so I've done that a couple of times. But in general, that's worked well for me because it does. it is a mind game. So all I'd work, then at that point, my 16 miles has become eight miles. So, for example, the 16-mile route, I ran nine miles to my friend Don's house. No, you're Don. Dan's house. And then I ran seven back. Just getting to Dan's was the big thing and making myself leave their house again and start down the street. Once I'd done that, I knew I was going to make it to the house. Well, let me ask you another question. As I'm sitting here listening, I'm, I'm thinking these things through. You you said you uh, you were supposed to run four miles. You ran four. You miscalculated. You said, I didn't have it in me to get back. Um, have you experienced, and it's a word we, we all have used, but I wonder how many of have actually experienced exhaustion in your, uh, you know, the tough mutter and any of the things you've done, have you ever actually pushed yourself to the point where you could go no farther? Um, I will say, you know, when I say I didn't have any to get back, that was because of my knee rehab. I had plenty, plenty of cardio, plenty of, plenty of want to, I didn't want to injure myself. So that one is not does not fit that category. Right. Um, and the same same two weeks ago, whenever I stopped and called Cheryl to come get me, it wasn't the I just mentally gave up. I was trying to not hurt myself. Uh, I will say the closest I've come, and, and really the only time was the tough mutter. Uh, it took everything in me just to get to the car. Because <laughs> I, I think that a lot of people, you know, like the the person you're talking about at work, I, I run a half a mile on the treadmill and I have to stop. We 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 get to that point where we we're tired. And we call that exhaustion. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I've put in some long, hard days in my life, you know, uh, 20 hours of physical labor. And at the end of it, I still had juice. I yeah. wasn't exhausted, but I used that term, you know? Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's the difference in fatigue, mental and physical both, and exhaustion. At the, at the end of the Tough Mudder, uh, I mean, I, I walked to the car. Joshua didn't have to carry me. Uh, I managed to walk in the house barely, 
it was work getting up the stairs to take a shower. But if it had been another mile, I would have had to sit down and rest before I could have finished it. Probably, it was. I mean, I was to the. I was to the. I was literally, and always metaphorically and literally on my last legs. <laughs> I was, that was it. I, I was all I had. I, I, we we came down that last hill, <clears throat> and came, trying to turn the corner through some trees. And I could see the finish line up at the top of the hill, and I thought, okay, I can make it. All I've got is this last, like, our 400-yard climb up a double black diamond ski slope. I can do it. <laughs> you know, all i got to do is i just got to get up this hill. And then I realized that right in front of me were cones sending me down the hill and then back up the hill about a half a mile, not a couple hundred yards. And I stopped and just stood there for a second, and Joshua said, you going to make it? And I said, I'm thinking. <laughs> I was literally just weighing in my head, am I going to make it? Uh, can I go down that hill and then make it back up the hill? And then, you know, th- at this point we were nine miles into it, about four hours into it, uh, cold, exhausted, starving. Um, my leg was in terrible pain and I'm not trying to be overdramatic. I mean, I was, I was really hurting bad. I was to the point I was walking so bad that the, the, the paramedic guy tried to put me on the golf cart and take me to the end of the thing. I'm like, no, you're not taking me. He's like, are you sure? I can tell you're hurt. No. I'm fine. I'm going to finish it. Um, so I stood there a minute. Joshua stood there with me, and he said, what do you want to do? You, you can just cut through right here and go on up to the finish, because um, I could have, or you, or are we going to you know, do the whole course? And I said, I've come this far. I'm not stopping. And I turned, and I went down the hill about a quarter mile, made the little turn, and went all the way up the hill about a half a mile, and walked on through, got my, uh, got my headband, stuck my headband on me, gave me my T-shirt, and I don't drink to speak of. They gave me my one beer and I drank it as fast as I could because <laughs> I was dying of thirst and calories. I was like, I don't even like beer. Give me that beer. Drink it, drink it, drink it, drink it. Thank you. Uh, it was a good source of carbs. And we, we walked over um, literally like the death march, you know, just trod, 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 you know, type thing. Got in line to get our bags. And I was just standing there thinking, come on, can this line move any faster? I'm, I'm about to just fall down here. We got our bags. It was about a quarter mile walk back to the car, uphill, of course. So we plod back to the car. I pulled off my shirt that was covered in mud, kicked my shoes off, and pretty much just fell into Joshua's car, and that was it. I was done. If I, Joshua said, oh, Aaron, we need to go back down and get such and such, I'd have just, no. No. Just leave it. Whatever it is, yeah. leave it. Aaron, you left your wallet. Uh, no. No, that's okay. I don't need my wallet. It has my address on my driver's license. They can mail it to me. Uh, at that point, that was, that was it. That was my... That was as close as I've ever been to exhaustion since, you know, in my, in my adult life. And so would you say that that um, has been something that you've relied on in the past when you're at mile 11 of 16? You say, this isn't as bad as the Tough Mudder. I can do this. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I've, I've, I've mentioned that to people a few times that I think the reason I was able to run that three miles after doing that was because it was like, I'm not tired. I'm a little winded, you know, my, my, my muscles are getting a little fatigued, but this is not tired. I can keep running. And I've actually thought about that. You know, I was, I was at about mile 12 on Saturday and, uh, I'd never ran the route. The, I'd never run the last five miles that I did. Uh, Don, you know, I was running down spring street, spring, spring road between, uh, South Cobb and Cobb. You know what I'm talking about? Like by your old apartment complex. I think so. Yeah. In like Atlanta, Sydney. every road is Cobb. I know. So. I was running from Cobb to or Cobb Peach on Peachtree. Yeah. I turned on Piedmont. Um, no, so I was running. I had come down South Cobb Drive from my old house there, Don, 
uh, stopped at the Chick-fil-A and used the bathroom and then came down to, to Spring Road where it's, it's Concord to the left and Spring to the right because every road in Atlanta joins and goes two different directions also. It turned on the Spring and then ran all the way over to Titan Comics. And I'm running down Spring and I, I've never run down this road before. When you drive, let me just put a little note out there for everybody. When you drive, you don't notice hills. <laughs> you push the gas pedal and your car goes up the hill. That's it. It works so easy. And I start running down Spring. I'm like, look at all those beautiful hills in front of me. And it literally was down and up a hill and down and up. A hill. I could see them undulating in the distance. It was so beautiful. And uh, at that point, I just decided, you know what? I can walk this out and it's going to take me another hour or I can run it to the finish. And I didn't run fast. I mean, I was running like 14 minute miles. I was running very, very slow. By then, my feet were hurting. I was tired. I was sunburnt. I literally got, I mean, I was peeling today. I noticed it in the bathroom. Went to wash my hands. I was like, oh, I'm peeling. Nice. But that, that kind of mental thing of I can run some more. I'm tired. My feet hurt. My knee hurts. I'm hungry. I, I, you know, I want to be done. I can run some more. I'm going to run some more. And I just took off running again. Uh, and that was, I think that, that is something that kind of was birthed in that, that, uh, that, uh, I'm trying to wax rhapsodic here and I can't think of the word, not in the cauldron, in that kiln that was fired in the kiln of adversity at Tough Mudder. Crucible is the word you like. Crucible, thank you. In the crucible of adversity at Tough Mudder, um, in Wintergreen, Virginia. It it was. So I don't think, and I'm being honest here and and I'll, I'll shut up now because we're, we're coming up on an hour. Um, I do not think that I would have been able to, A, I don't think I would even have attempted to run this marathon, and B, I don't actually think I would be able to finish it if I had not done the Tough Mudder. And then in, say, July, when it's hot and you're working out, you're going to say, I ran a marathon. I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, The uh, it's, it's funny because your perspective really does shift. Because like two Saturdays ago, I was disappointed because I only ran nine miles. That's three 5Ks. <laughs> You know, for the longest time, a 5K was the longest I'd done. And I was, I was like lamenting to Cheryl when she picked me up. I only ran nine miles today. And that's just such a, a, a shift of perspective. Um, you know, so this last Saturday, I didn't make 17. I only ran 14 and a half. I only ran 14 and a half miles. Well, so the guy that got you, I can't remember his name. He was Roger on the Wright. show. Uh, Roger Wright. Right. Uh, and no, just one right. Roger sorry. Wright. The whole reason you were doing this, right? He he gave, told that story about it was bitter cold. He's running his his water bottle froze, his mm-hmm. mouth froze shut. He wouldn't have been able to drink water anyway. And and when he gets in the car to go home, he's crying joyfully because he couldn't believe that he was loving the misery he was putting himself through. Yeah. And I'll and I'll be honest, when I finished that first sixteen mile run. And came walking in the house. I hurt all over, and I felt like a million bucks. I mean, I really did. I came in the house, and I was like, "I did it," because <sighs> uh, I'd run the last mile or two pretty hard. It's, it's a little bit downhill, and you know, I, I had some left in the tank, so I wanted to finish strong. She was like, "Great, honey," and I'm like, "Sweat." I mean, like take my hat off and like wring it out, you know. And you know, I'm pulling off all my accoutrements, and you know, I, but I felt great. My feet hurt, my knees hurt, everything, but mentally, spiritually. It was, you know, a cathartic experience to accomplish that and feel like I'd done it. So, I don't know. I, I imagine this will be one and done for me on marathons, mostly because of the time commitment. It's a, it's a lot of hours to run in when you're slow and fat. <laughs> if I was a, you know, a two and a half hour marathon runner, 
it'd be one thing. But for me, when I go out to do my 16 mile training run, that's three and a half hours of a Saturday, you know? So, uh, I'm keeping tally of how many hours I spent running and how many miles I've run. And, uh, it's just a lot of time. So tomorrow night I'm supposed to go run eight miles. I probably will. That's the plan at least, uh, after we get back from my son's Cub Scout thing. So I'll leave the house like at eight. I won't be home till almost 10, you know, and that's, that's pretty much my entire evening with my wife is gone. And so, uh, that's tough. And so, I don't, I don't know that I'll do another one just because of the time commitment, but I wouldn't be surprised if I don't keep the half in my repertoire once a year just because it's that's kind of a fun distance. It's not so much that it it's not so much that it kills you, like just, you know, beats you up, but it's not so much not so little either that you don't feel like you really accomplished something. Not that three miles isn't accomplishing something. And you better be- believe I'm gonna see one of those twenty six point two stickers on the back of your car. I told Cheryl, I said, I'm going to buy one and I'm going to run across the finish line and run straight to the car and put it on there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to stop till I get to the car, which is probably not true because I'm I'm probably going to end up riding Marta down there. But I'm going to have one purchased before the race. And the next time I'm at my car, it will go on the back. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I also joked about having Cheryl waiting for me with a wheelchair at the finish line. (laughs) So I could just run up and collapse in it and she could roll me back. A wheelchair, a jug of water, and some Twinkies. Yeah, exactly. I need a handful of cashews. <laughs> anyway, Don, Mark, appreciate your time. All those guys in the chat room and listening on the live stream. Uh, we've had some more people trickle in, and I appreciate that. Listen to my rambling. Mark, thank you for interviewing me. I felt I felt interviewed. I felt honored by your interviewing uh, tonight. And um, this Sunday, or this Saturday, uh, 18 miles, my longest distance. I'm I'm... I'm, I'm on the bubble about going in the morning. It's supposed to be like 27 degrees in the morning. Not that running in the cold is bad. I actually kind of enjoy it. Uh, but I'll tell you what, this is, this is me. This is practical, lazy Aaron. When you start off in the morning at 27 degrees and you're going to run for four hours, by the time you get done, it's 55 degrees and you have a hat and gloves to deal with. There it is. That's the truth of it. That's the pain in the rear. Uh, so like this week I ran to Don's house, Dan's house, nine miles, took my hat and gloves off, put them in his, his flower bed. Cause I was tired of messing with them because at that point you're hot, you know? So it's, it's the whole thing. And the same reason I don't wear a coat. I'm going to get in my car in the garage. I drive to a parking lot, a parking garage. I go inside uh, a building and I stay inside all day. Why do I need a coat? I don't need a coat. I don't need to carry a coat around all day. That's a side note. All right, Don, Mark, do you have anything else? <clears throat> I'm done. Don, you've been usually quiet tonight. Good with me. Uh, yeah. That happens. I said usually. You notice that? It's sort of unusually. A little joke. Not much of one. But uh, anyway, Aaron, double A-R-O-N, at OneMealOneWorkout.com. If you want to donate to the American Cancer Society, help fight cancer, and uh, quote-unquote have my back on this run, go to OneMealOneWorkout.com. You can read all about it there on the Sponsor Me page. Um, thanks again for the live listeners and those in the chat room. And uh, I said it before, I'll say it again. Remember, before you do any kind of diet or exercise program, you know, I am not a doctor, a fitness expert, a trainer, nutritionist, or a dietitian. Talk to your health care provider. Talk to the professionals to find out what they say. Get cleared by those guys before you go out and start uh, beating your body in submission. That's what I recommend. Have a good night. Casualty!